welcome into A to Z Sports Prime Time from the Superbook Sports Studios. I'm your host, Buck Rising, and I'm proud, as always, to be presented to you by the Ashton Real Estate Group of Remax Advantage. GaryAshton.com. Get your dream address without the stress. The Intel edge you need to succeed can be found courtesy of GaryAshton.com. Superbook Sports, download the Superbook app today, and they will get you in on all the action, whether you're betting Denver and Phoenix right now, some of the other NBA playoff games, the NHL, or everything in between. Superbook has the best odds boost and promo bets out there. And TrueMav Fitness in the Gulch, your first workout free at TrueMav Fitness as a Middle Tennessee resident. So many great workout options for you to achieve your fitness goals at TrueMavFitness.com. So, uh, looking at the offense for the Tennessee Titans, we know the areas where they struggled, right? We've talked about them so many different ways, talked about all the different ways that they could try to fix them this offseason from the personnel standpoint. We know that they were poor in pass protection. We know that they led the league in three and outs on offense. We know that they uh, did not score 28 points in a single game last year and only scored 27 once. We know that they averaged just barely over 17 points per game, which was among the league worst in the NFL last season. The offense has a lot of issues. And looking around at what they've done so far, well, you can see some of the foundational things that they've tried to accomplish, particularly all the work that they've done revamping the offensive line group this year. But there's, uh, as we talk about the Titans offense and uh, the biggest complaint, uh, for obvious reasons, that came out of draft weekend was that they waited a considerable amount of time and allowed several different sizes and shapes and skill sets of uh, skill set types of wide receivers passed them by in the draft and waited until the seventh round to select Colton Dow out of UT Martin. Now, Colton Dow may turn out to be a fine NFL player at some point in his career. He may contribute as a rookie. Um, but obviously, I think, you know, you we've played the Tannehill clip for you guys before about he even expected they might take a, a wide receiver a little earlier in the draft. They did not do so. Um, so I think we need to talk about the biggest key to the Titans' offensive success this season. Let's talk about it on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. If you had to assign it to an individual player, obviously football is a team sport, is the ultimate team sport um, with 11 different pieces and parts all interconnected, working against 11 other pieces and parts uh, in ways that are difficult to orchestrate and coordinate. And can have even, even when you do everything right, even when you execute every element of everything that you've game planned in a week leading up to a game, it's a weird shaped ball and it can bounce all kinds of different ways. So it's tough to assign, you know, individual impact so much importance in the NFL and just football in general, because you've got so many other things going on. But I think when you look at the offense, who is the biggest key to the Titans offensive success? This season, we'll talk about it together. It's your Two Rivers Ford take. As always, it is presented by Two Rivers Ford. It is great to go to a uh, business that you know immediately when you walk through the doors that you know you can trust. That's Two Rivers Ford doing business in Middle Tennessee for 40 years. It's their 40th anniversary, and you don't get to be 40 years old as a business without doing business with honesty and integrity, doing business the right way. Two Rivers Ford in Mount Juliet or online at tworiversford.com. 
So who is the biggest key to the Titans' offensive success this year? Um, let's see. Jimbo on Facebook Live says, build a wall up front. They've tried to, right? That's That, I think, has been the biggest emphasis of the Titans' offseason is they knew how much harder everything was made on the quarterback, on the running back, on the offense, on the ability, inability to sustain drives because they were undone so often by an offensive line group that was among the worst in football last year, particularly in pass protection, right? Now, uh, Dennis Daly is gone. Taylor Lewan is gone. Ben Jones is gone. Nate Davis is gone. Uh, you have only two returning starters on the offensive line, and Aaron Brewer, who projects at center right now, and then NPF at right tackle. You have brought in Andre Dillard, Daniel Brunskill, Jalen Duncan, Pete, uh, Peter Skaronsky, among uh, the uh, free agent and draft acquisitions. And, you know, I'm certain that they will have an undrafted rookie free agent or or uh, a couple that perform well at some point during training camp or maybe a practice squad spot, including guys that they already have on the roster. Jamarco Jones, who was, uh, you know, MIA last year, was uh, injured all of last season. We never saw him contribute. In a meaningful way, that was something somebody that Mike Vrabel thought they could get more out of than uh, previous NFL teams or previous NFL stops have been able to do for him. And, uh, you know, somebody who we don't even talk about anymore in Dylan Radens. The offensive line projects to look substantially different in 2022 or 2023. And we know that that was probably their biggest issue. Now, the offensive line is a group of five, right? So it's tough to assign individual impact to the offensive line that way uh mb correctly says the offensive line is way more important than any one wide receiver and i'm inclined to agree with that now i was uh I, we were talking to nick suss uh who is the titans beat writer for the tennessee he's a colleague of mine he got here about halfway through last season and nick i think is going to do a really really good job uh informing titans fans with the stuff that he writes and the angles that he takes but he said something on the radio show on Friday, for those of you who were listening to uh, his segment in the noon hour when he came in studio with us, he said that Peter Skaronsky is the best left tackle on the roster, so the best left tackle on the roster is likely going to play left tackle. And I don't know why that seemed like such a novel concept to me, because he's correct. Skaronsky is probably the best left tackle on the roster. Dillard may be serviceable, and they're going to find out this year, right? But if Skaronsky ends up playing left tackle, that, I think, is a different um, idea than many of us had kind of embedded in our heads at that point because you'd seen all the stuff about Skaronsky. Well, he's likely a guard at the next level, the arm length, yada, 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 yada. But, I mean, Peter Skaronsky was one of the best offensive linemen in, in college football last year playing left tackle despite the arm length issues. Now, Big Ten football is not the NFL. Um, while Big Ten football is a uh, one of the most competitive, it's probably the second most competitive and talented uh, conference in college football. In fact, I think, again, they had the second most um, second most players selected in the NFL draft, of course, behind the SEC. The SEC, I think, has led, I think, every year for the last 16 or 15 years, something ridiculous like that. But like if Skaronsky, if the arm length wasn't truly an inhibitor in college, then why are you immediately discounting him in the pros? I would I would be interested in seeing them come out in a situation where you saw uh where you saw Skaronsky at left tackle to start the year. Now, I think 
I, uh, I do think that there would be a scenario in which they would try Dillard there first. Um, Mr. Jones says Skaronsky didn't face SEC defensive lines. Yeah, but Big Ten defensive line, honestly, there's as many talented defensive linemen in the Big Ten as there are in the SEC. Like, that's such a an over uh, – that's such a dramatization. Obviously, Mr. Jones is a Tennessee fan based on his uh, picture there. I mean, Michigan had a significantly better uh, defensive line than did Tennessee, for example. Last year, Mich- um, Ohio State consistently has top tier. Th- they didn't this year. Um, they didn't have, like, a, a premium edge player, but Ohio State always has. Super, super talented defensive line. So I think that's just dramatic. Um, Northwestern, I think. Uh, Northwestern, whether, you know, their on-field success as a team is a different matter. But, like, he, when you watch the tape of him, uh, Lucas Van Ness gave him the business in, at Iowa a couple of times. But Lucas Van Ness is also a first-round pick, so, like, that's going to happen. Um, I think that uh, OSU had zero trouble with Georgia's defensive line. Like, Georgia, that was one of the worst games I've seen a defensive line play. Last year, Georgia's defensive line didn't do jack shit uh, in the college football playoff semifinal um, against Ohio State, uh, particularly Jalen Carter, who was a non-factor in that game in ways that were very, very bizarre. It's in fact, it's one of the, I think the games that gets brought up the most often where it relates to, okay, questions about his tape, his effort, is he actually like engaged in these things? So, um, you know, the SEC, the SEC obviously has greater football talent on the whole. Nobody's disputing this, but like defensive line specifically, that's not a position group that I would cite as being like overall superior uh, in the SEC. They, I think, I'm, I'm sure if you looked at it this year, the Big Ten and the SEC would be damn near even in terms of uh, in terms of their defensive line talent, but we don't have to get bogged down in that stuff. So as you kind of look at the offense, you know, the offensive line group is considerably more important than a single wide receiver tight end or running back, right? Even somebody like Derrick Henry. Derrick Henry is going to be critical to what they're going to do. We know that Derrick Henry is going to get carries. Um, Whether you agree with that approach or not is a different manner. It sounds like the offense is going to be different enough to where you don't have to worry about the predictability, but you're always going to be predictable when Derrick's on the field, right? Because he's just, I know he had a successful pass catching year last year, but he does limit you in the things that you could do with him as a pass catcher, even as he has made, you know, since he got here, substantial strides and still works on it on a regular basis, route running and just being a more natural pass catcher. It's never something that's going to be the best thing that he does, but that's okay because Derrick Henry does plenty of other things very, very well. Um, I would say that Skaronsky, even if he's working with a group of four other players, Skaronsky is probably the answer here. But at wide receiver, they're kind of banking on Traylon Burks to come through for them in a big way. Now, I'm going to let you hear from Mike Vrabel about the wide receiver situation here in just a second, right after I remind you that the Primetime Show is presented by the Ashton Real Estate Group of REMAX Advantage. Go to GaryAshton.com for your dream address. Without the stress, the Ashton team will put you in a position to succeed with the best Intel Edge out there. Whether you're buying or selling your home, Gary Ashton can get you your dream address without the stress or help you sell your home for more with that Intel edge you need. GaryAshton.com, the real estate team that your favorite teams trust, the official real estate agent of the Preds and the primetime show is GaryAshton.com. So looking at the wide receiver core, uh, Kid Sensation says, this wide receiver core is easily the 32nd ranked in the NFL. Am I wrong? Um, It's definitely... 
not higher than 30th. Um, I, the Texans trading away Brandon Cooks, who I know to be a good player, even as I liked what they did with their skill position additions and free agency in the draft, I would say Houston, just by nature of being unproven, like, I don't know what John Mechie is going to be in the NFL this year. He may be good. I don't know what Tank Dell is going to be able to um, contribute in year one, but I like, I like what Houston did. I would probably say of the proven commodities, like guys that we've seen in the league prior to, uh, prior to this draft, I would say that the Texans probably have a worse wide receiver group. In fact, you took the most um, productive Texans wide receiver last year and put them on your roster, right? Which may just slightly upgrade you from a known commodity standpoint over Houston. But I mean, if they're not 32 in Tennessee, like Carolina, I thought did some did some uh, creative things with their skill position groups. I can't think of a uh, of a wide receiver room that I like less than the Titans other than the Texans. So let's let's just say let's just say they're 31st, right? Whatever however you want to rank them. Um I think that uh I think that the Texans are probably collectively a worse group. Now I will say though that the Titans seem to be and I know them to be very confident in the ability for not just Traylon Burks to contribute but uh, Kyle Phillips, who was a non-factor last year. Um, and I think they're more optimistic than not about Racy. They seem to think that they have good enough players who just haven't been able to physically get out on the field for one reason or another. They think they have better players than we're giving them credit for. Now, I don't have evidence of that, right? I've not seen it with my own eyes. Doesn't mean that it can't happen. It's a tough way to do the analysis, right? Just because I haven't seen it happen doesn't mean that it's physically impossible. Of course, it's always possible, right? But I would say that what they did in the draft did not inspire great confidence, even if it was the coaching staff and front office structure. Putting it out there in front of us, hey, guys, we're good with what we have. We're just adding some stuff on the fringes because we think this group can actually contribute. And that was something Mike Vrabel spoke to the final night of the draft when last we spoke to him? Uh, going into Monday, it will be. Yeah, and we're going to continue to explore and find ways to to improve our wa- roster and make it as competitive as possible. So uh, on Monday, it will be. Uh, we, we felt good. If, you know, for, for us to add a receiver, we would have come far off our, our board at those certain levels. And, and that's what I'm happy about. You, you, you guys... Are going to trust us, you know. We're going to we're going to we're going to put players in here that are going to help us win. That, that, that last part kind of goes back to the to the previous question. You can find ways to improve your roster. Free agency's over, and the drafts over. Aren't those the places? No, to free free agency's roster? not. They're going to let us sign free agents um, Monday. But, but they they will. Chad will. Rand will. They'll they'll let us sign free agents on Monday. Uh, free agency is going to go all the way up until the season starts. Uh, there'll be players that uh, are on other teams that will become available Monday. Take a look. It'll be real large waiver wire. We'll scour that. We'll continue to look for, for trade possibilities and opportunities. Uh, Chad and Vin will, will help us with the salary cap, find ways to, to open up uh, salaries so that we can potentially sign other players. Now, there's been a pretty good process here, and I, I'm excited about it. In the cur-
So that's Mike Vrabel uh, on the Saturday night of the draft. The excited about it at the end with, in a tone that doesn't indicate that connotes no excitement whatsoever makes me laugh. Um, Billy Jones says, Racy hasn't done anything to make me think he can contribute anywhere but special teams. That's fine. I, you're right, Billy. Like, I'm not disputing that, right? He's got, I think, I think Racy has four career catches. Like, Burks. Burks has 33 career catches. Uh, last year playing in only 11 games. Let me look up Racy's numbers. Because if, if, it's, if it's not four, it might be like five uh, in the NFL at this stage after two seasons. Um, yeah, he's got, no, he's got four career, four career receptions. And... Two of those came last year, two for 40 and a touchdown last season. So, yeah, Racy is, you know, I have no idea what Racy is. But I'm not saying that they're right. Uh, I'm not saying that the Titans are right when they go about a draft in a way that would indicate, yeah, we we feel pretty good about our wide receiver group. We None of us have seen evidence that they are good enough to be as casual about the wide receiver room as it seems they have been. They are banking on them being right and us being wrong. So I can't, you know, I can't tell them that they're wrong in their convictions. They feel confident in these players. It's very early in all of these wide receivers career, even uh, guys like uh, guys like Racy, who have been around for a couple of years. It's only uh, it's only year three. <laughs> MB says, good job, Racy. That's almost as much as AJ had in the first half against us last year. That's right. I uh I think that I think that ultimately what you see um with this wide receiver group is a lot of potential. And potential is a word that I don't necessarily say in a positive light cuz you know who else had potential? Kevin Dodd had potential. Caleb Farley has potential. Um Dylan Radens had potential. Potential does not immediately translate to success it means that they think there's something there that they can really get more out of um but until we see that manifest in some way shape or form i think it's fair for all of us to be skeptical now i'll say that Traylon burks matters a great deal i do think that Traylon burks matters a, a tremendous amount um his uh availability i i think that kyle phillips is important i think for them to have a legit slot option for the first time since Humphreys and Humphreys was obviously never healthy. I think that, uh, I think that both of those guys, um, I think that both of those guys, if they can have, you know, I, I won't say slightly, they need to have considerably better years, especially Phillips. They both need to be available more, right? It can't be 11 games for Burks. They need him out on the field on a regular basis. I, I would like to see him play in some form or fashion, you know, and obviously you can't, like, if he breaks his leg and he can't play a season, God forbid, knock on something. But, like, if he breaks his leg and, you know, it's something completely unrelated to the toe turf that he had in the early part of last year against Indianapolis, then, like, I'm not going to not gonna hammer him for it. But I would like to see 15 games of Traylon Burks. And I would like to see, shit, I'd like to see 10 games of Kyle Phillips at this point. Um, Omar says he'll be the man if he stays healthy this year. We have no idea, right? Omar, that's, you know it's like, that sounds good, right? It sounds good to say out loud, but like, I have no idea if he's going to be the man, right? I have no idea what this collection of skill position players are. Um, William Jones just says, Levis equals skid marks. At least, what's, 
What's what did Levis do to you? Levis didn't do shit to you. He's trying to he's trying to play for your football team. We can talk about rookies coming up next. In fact, let's do that. Which uh, rookie of this six man rookie class? And you know, if you have an undrafted that you like for this uh, for this response, then maybe you submit an undrafted. But question I want to ask you is which Titans rookie do you think contributes the most in his rookie season? We'll talk about it together on Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Twitch. Right after I remind you that primetime is made possible by the fine folks at Superbook Sports. Download the Superbook app today. They will give you $250 in free bets when you download the app, deposit, and wager all in the same day. Superbook Sports is your place to go for the best odds boost and promo bets out there. Whether you're wagering on basketball, baseball, hockey, XFL, USFL, all up and running right now with Superbook Sports. So download the app today. Go to Superbook.com for terms and conditions. Gambling problem, go to the Tennessee red line, 1-800-889-9789. Um, so as you, look at the, uh, as you look at the rookie class, right? So let's take it from uh, top to bottom. Skaronsky, the first-round pick. Levis, second. Tajay Spears running back in the third round. They didn't have a fourth-round pick. So then tight end Austin Wiley in the fifth. You have uh, the um, you have Jalen Duncan, the tackle out of Maryland in the sixth, and Colton Dow, the wide receiver out of UT Martin in the seventh round. Those are the six offensive rookies that the Titans added this year. Now, maybe you like Kiaris Jackson, the undrafted rookie for agent out of Georgia that they added. Maybe you think that he deserves a roster spot and that Georgia used their wide receivers poorly, and this may be a spot that gives him an opportunity to shine. Maybe that's so. Um but I do think ultimately that it's probably easier to just stick with the six draft picks at this point. Uh, Thomas Holmes says Skaronsky, Wiley will be in Chig's shadow. Uh, not ne- not necessarily. I like I like uh, Josh Wiley. I think he's going to be an interesting uh, player. Spears, um, honestly, Spears is my dark horse. As Chris Bynes, Leo agrees, is going to get ten touches a game. Um, Levis has a better arm than Tanny. Tanny is getting moved or he's getting cut. He's costing us too much money. That's Dr. Lipschitz on YouTube. Um, all of that is factually inaccurate. Uh, Levis, you know, Levis has what? Tannehill's 10 years older. Um, Levis can push the ball down the field. Tannehill can push the ball down the field. I don't think, uh, I don't think a better, what, what defines a better arm there? Like, Levis is not more accurate than Ryan Tannehill at this stage. Maybe uh, listen, Will Levis, I have no idea what he's going to be as an NFL pro. So I'm not, I, I know he's an easy, he's an easy target for jokes and shit like that. But like, I'm not, I'm not necessarily down with beating up on him just because he got here. Now I know Tennessee fans don't like him. I don't really care about that. Uh, but he's not more accurate than Ryan Tannehill. Uh, I would say that in terms of operation, um, the rookie quarterback coming in is not going to be superior to the, what is Tannehill heading into 12 NFL seasons. That's pretty nonsensical. So yeah, that's uh that's a completely inaccurate statement. I would say now could Will Levis end up being a better version of Ryan Tannehill? Maybe we'll see. Um, But like the Ryan Tannehill draft, there was no disputing that Ryan Tannehill was a first round pick at quarterback. Like that was never, that was never an issue. Right. <laughs> like, we never had questions about Tannehill's skill set coming out of Texas A&M. And that was even coming late to the position of quarterback. Will Levis, there are serious 
questions about him. Will Levis fell out of the first round for a reason. Now they traded up. They got him with the first, or I mean, it was the second pick of the second round. So like, okay, he's not like untalented by any stretch of the imagination, but Tannehill was indisputably a first round draft pick, a top 10 draft pick coming out of college. Now you can take a look at that draft class and say, yeah, that was not the best draft class. I think that was, um, that was a pretty talented quarterback draft class, to be honest with you. Ryan Tannehill was a top 10 uh, draft pick in a class that included Luck, RG3, uh, Tannehill, and Russell Wilson. Those, I think, were the quarterbacks from that class that panned out. In fact, I'm going to pull up the Ryan Tannehill draft class um, just out of curiosity uh, because I would like to see where the quarterback... So 2012 NFL draft was Tannehill... Um, let me see if I can find this quickly for you guys. Those are the four quarterbacks that I remember that ended up, you know, Robert Griffin obviously was derailed. Nick Foles was in that draft and Kirk Cousins, um, though those guys were later. Yeah, because it went Luck and RG3 off the top. Tannehill went eight to the Dolphins. Um, there was not another. F- oh, Brandon Whedon was a first round pick in that draft class. He went 22 to the Browns. So that's four first round quarterbacks that year. And then the next quarterback that went um, was Brock Osweiler to the Denver Broncos in the second round. Brock Osweiler went before Russell Wilson and Kirk Cousins. That's pretty wild to think about. So 2012 ended up producing some quarterback talent uh, uh, talent at this stage, but yeah, Ryan Tannehill's not going anywhere at this point. Uh, so looking around at the uh, looking around at the Titans situation, uh, Tannehill was a huge reach at number eight. Dolphins found out. Yeah, but I mean, he, like MB, I, I don't think he was a huge reach. I just think he was a shitty situation. Like he, he had the injuries all over the place. Um, he had Adam Gase for a considerable portion of time. They were, um, they were all over the place as a dysfunctional organization. Miami, Miami is a bad football team. Like that's one of those things where a bad franchise can really derail a quarterback's situation because had Tannehill even been, you know, let's say three quarters of the player that he was for uh, Miami that he was in 19 and 20 for Tennessee, Miami would have taken that run, right? But they were so frustrated with the injury situation on top of like, him not being able to overcome the circumstances around him. You know, I don't think that was a reach. That's, that's a, again, he's been in the NFL for 12 years. Like that, that is exactly what you're looking for out of a top 10 pick. That's, that's literally, that's exceeding the definition. Most people will tell you eight to 10 years out of a top 10 pick that way. I know he's not played for one organization, but like 12 years as the, as the eighth overall selection. That's a really, really good situation. Leo brings up Stafford. Yeah, I mean, like Matt Stafford was not a bad player in Detroit, and he wasn't necessarily the greatest quarterback in the history of man when they won the Super Bowl, but it made a huge difference. So I think that, uh, you know, I think that a lot of, Tannehill gets assigned a lot of baggage that, you know, I feel like I end up caping up for him more often than I should just because I think the the uh, stigma around him is so bizarre. Um that I end, I probably end up overcorrecting in the amount of times that I defend that dude. But I mean, like, it's just so weird to me that 
But Tannehill, uh, you know, Stafford used to get this, I guess, and then Stafford got traded to LA and won a Super Bowl. So maybe Ryan Tannehill just needs to be traded to a better situation again. He was from Miami to Tennessee. Maybe he needs a yet a better situation now that Tennessee is starting to depreciate. We'll see what happens uh, beyond 2023 for him. Anyway, we're getting bogged down. Uh, the rookie I think is going to contribute the most is going to be Skaronsky. Um, Skaronsky is the player that obviously is a blue chip player that he needs to start on the offensive line. Hopefully he's durable. Um, hopefully his health holds up. They need continuity. They need consistency on the F- offensive line. I think Skaronsky is, uh, is the most obvious selection. Uh, let's get to this is a free site. The best thing that I saw on the internet this week and let's wrap it up. Uh, are the Titans extending Henry says Preston miles. I saw a bunch of you guys sent me some like YouTube link. Something about that. I haven't heard anything to that effect, but you know, I'm, I, uh, I don't want to discredit. I didn't watch. I, I'll be honest. I didn't watch the the link that, uh, a lot of you guys like DM me and stuff like that. But I will say that I haven't heard anything personally and I haven't seen anybody, um, with a, a high degree of credibility reporting anything around Derek. So, you know, if anything happens, we'll keep you updated. But I have, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I know that there was something out there on the Titans' internet sphere that was saying that Derrick Henry uh, was preparing to receive an extension. But that, to my knowledge, has not occurred um, at this stage. You know, we'll see what happens. Uh, this is a free site. What's the best thing you saw on the internet this weekend? The Swift concert is, to my knowledge, still not off the ground. Uh, I'm looking at a bunch of videos, uh, but I think that it is at this point really, really insane to see the way that people have waited out these Taylor Swift concerts the last three days. The videos have been crazy everywhere that she's been so far in this tour. I I would have gone in a heartbeat uh, had I uh, had the free tickets that I asked for came through. It did not. That's fine. I am very grateful because it probably would have been tonight and I probably would have been sitting in the concert list. Con- concourse listening to 70,000 uh you know women between the ages of uh, let's say 55 to 12 seems like the Taylor Swift range at this stage screaming uh you know screaming um blank space or something like that I, I think that's a Taylor Swift song that sounds like a Taylor Swift song I don't know I think blank space is a song either way <laughs> Screaming one of the Taylor Swift songs in the concourse while I wait for this concert to get off the ground. To my knowledge, that hasn't happened. But like the the mass of humanity that has been circulating around these things everywhere she goes has been truly impressive. Like I have tremendous respect for the Swifties. I fear them. I respect them. I give them their space because videos like this uh, from Atlanta a couple of weeks ago have been surfacing all over the Internet and truly It is a force to be reckoned with, the amount of fans that Taylor Swift has everywhere that she goes. When the Taylor Swift concert ends at the same time, you're on your way home.
I mean, it's like the zombie apocalypse. It's crazy, right? And it's everywhere. It's everywhere she goes. She could she could sell out a month. She, in the first night of this concert, she put more people in Nissan Stadium than have ever been in that facility in the history of it. <laughs> than, you know, uh, Adelphia Coliseum, than uh, LP Field, than Nissan Stadium, ever. She, and she could continue to do it if she wanted to. I would love to go to, I would love to go to one of those shows. It looks insane, but I, uh, I think that like the, everything around it, unless I was, you know, I'm, here's what I'm going to say. I'm going to sound super douchey and that's not going to shock any of you, but like, I am so spoiled about what it is, the experience to attend live events anymore, because I don't have to deal with stuff like buying tickets or paying for parking or sitting outside or all these different things. Like, cause you know, it's a part of my job. Like I get fortunately lovely. It's the best job in the world. Like I sound super spoiled and like a jerk when I say that stuff, but like, you know, <laughs> now that I know that I don't have to live that way, I don't ever want to live that way. <laughs> it's so hard to talk myself into going to stuff that that might be a part of my experience. Cause I want nothing to do that. Uh, it's a bird. It's a plane. It's super douche, says Mr. Jones. That's right. Uh, B. Friend says, Buck, do you, who do you like more, Taylor Swift or Katy Perry? Ooh, damn. That's a good one. Uh, I mean, Katy Perry was at, like, in my high school years, Katy Perry was the thing. And, like, obviously, Taylor is still out there doing I think Taylor's younger than Katy Perry is. I think Katy Perry is probably closer. I can't, they've both been around for a considerable amount of time. I'd probably say, I'd probably say Taylor Swift, although Dark Horse with uh, Katy Perry and, um, oh shit, Juicy J. Juicy J is like, it's one of the songs that is embedded in my skull from every college pregame that I heard that song at. The Dark Horse, absolutely. Uh, MB says, Buck, if you would have called her promoter and told them who you were, you would have been in the VIP section. No, they would have laughed at me and said, you know who is actually in our VIP section? You are nobody that would belong in the VIP section. Ooh, Chris Bynes says, Billie Eilish is, uh, I don't know about Super Crush, I, you know, whatever. Her, Billie Eilish is absolutely a phenomenal performer. I would be, um, I would be, I would love to go see. Uh, a Billie Eilish concert. Mr. Jones says Taylor Lewan or Taylor Swift. I would go Taylor Swift 10 times out of 10. Taylor Lewan, wildly overrated. Taylor Swift, properly rated. All right. That is, uh, that's going to do it for us tonight. Radio show tomorrow. We've got a lot of stuff to talk about um, on 104.5 The Zone. So we hope you'll join us then from 10 to 1. Um, we are going to have a great time uh, breaking down Everything that happened over the weekend, there's a lot of uh, funny stories that we want to talk about from like just things that happened around Nashville this weekend with the Swifty stuff. I don't know how many of you saw the story of the uh, hotel manager sucking toes uh, at one of the Hilton properties in downtown Nashville this weekend. That is something that is going to be a major talking point, and obviously there will be some Titans discussion as well. Also, Rookie Minicamp is this week, and uh, we will get our first crack at O. Oh, no. Eric Alonzo has said something that I forgot about until just now. He has said that I have to do the hot chip challenge tomorrow. And Bert is giving me the thumbs up in the background. I have to do the hot chip challenge on the radio show tomorrow. Um, so you guys are going to need to, I, nothing else that I tease could be as, as funny as that. So if you want to hear me physically dying on air, 
we will do the hot chip challenge with me and Lucas tomorrow. Bert, I think it's just going to be there. Somebody needs to be not incapacitated to be able to make sure that the radio show can continue to function on a regular basis. So hot chip challenge tomorrow and uh, say a prayer for your boy. Have a great West rest of your night and what remains of your weekend. And I will talk to you tomorrow at 10 a.m. on 104.5 The Zone. See you guys. Well, are you surprised to hear that? <laughs> Certainly not. The first year we took it to the limit. And I was in Miami with my new beach house. Well, it was a couple minutes from the beach. It's been 20 years since then. We haven't been too strong in the last few years. Oh, we've been strong. We're just playing by the rules. You can't have a newcomer come in and steal a show.